coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. Researching the various mysteries of lighthouses, the supernatural stories, it just makes sense. These are buildings often very isolated against nature's edge. This is one job that I would never want to have, to be a light keeper at a lighthouse. lighthouse. So one night I came down to check on him. I see the lights and all the windows busted out of his car. And then I realized he locked himself in the bathroom. He was just in horror. I looked out the window and there was 12 people in cloaks and they were going around my car and smashing it all up. He was scared to death. And Hannah come down and take him off in the straitjacket. A lot of people can't be alone. And you're out there all alone. All alone. What is weird too about that story is like, everybody leaves in a straitjacket. Yeah. It's definitely right. the 70s. You know, like, oh, this guy's seeing ghosts. Wrap him up, <laughs> wrap him up, wrap him up, wrap him up. That reminds me of the fog and these little people, these entities that seem to come with the fog, the vitra. That's totally not scary. Weird parallels with stories involving fog, involving time shifts, dimensional overlap. I mean, fog just is made to be mysterious. When God made fog, he was like, <laughs> when creepy things happen. He was like, I made all these scary things, but how can they move around without anybody seeing them? Yeah. I'll make fog for them. Right, it's their transport vehicle. Exactly. So he is at the very edge against the entire Atlantic. And just thinking about that, like being at the top of the lighthouse, looking out, you can see nothing but fog, but you know beyond that fog are hundreds of miles of open, deep, deep water. Imagine all you see coming out of the fog is just this 300-foot tentacle arm or something, <laughs> you know, like a crack. I don't think that happens often. You don't know what monsters could live in the Chris, depths. if you were in that, you would think you saw it every night. Yeah. Well, I, you You'd know, like, did you see that tentacle arm? <laughs> And while he's out there, one man against the abyss, this is when he has a pretty incredible encounter that changes his life. Uh-oh. Yeah. Hold on. Conspiracy. Synchronicity. Sasquatch. Homunculus. Alien races. Satanism in Hollywood. MK Ultra. Tartaria. There's like a whole, I've been watching this one guy. Close the door in. Jeremy, close your door. What's the uh, inner earth disagreements? Ghost dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman. Bohemian Grove. Corey Feldman. Magicians are demons. Specters. Spirits. Sleep paralysis. Strange disappearances. Sky whale phenomena. Yes. Alternative history. Shadow people. Shh, quiet. I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf towers. I would never talk about it. That's old. Y2K. Cover ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of The Believable. With your host, Jeremy. That's me. I'm one of them. I'm John. I'm your second host. <laughs> what the heck does <laughs> that mean? the very last. <laughs> oh, you could be the first. Jeremy might be the third. I'm Chris, and I am the best. And today, we have got an exciting episode for you. I'm a courageous man. I'm a courageous man. We do. We have a we have a, a creepy one. We're getting close to Hall- Hallow's Weens. I saw some Halloween decorations today for the first time. Really? Yeah. I love when that starts to happen. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. You could tell this person's really into it. Oh, so it wasn't in the store. It was like someone's house. No, this was uh, on the road to get to the house right here on the main road. Nice. Is that Erie? Yeah, Erie. I think it's Erie. What a great name for a spooky house. But it's like one of those houses right on the main drag right there. And it's got like a whole scenic. It's like Christmas. But, but Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. Awesome. 
It's a long time to, I mean, that's a lot. They must really like want to see death and destruction <laughs> for a long time. Well, I mean, I, I totally get it. It's like, the magic. Of if you're really into like spooky stuff like we are, you know, you only get like a little bit of time to enjoy that throughout the year. But it's, normal. it's weird. Like I was thinking about like when they come home. And they see like oh, right. all those demons in their yard. Depends and, on what the decorations yeah. are too. They're definitely the ones where I see that are like. I mean, it's pretty dark. I don't want like a bloody corpse. I never got like the the guy hanging in the tree. That right. was always a little too. But I guess that's the that's the guy who likes serial killer movies versus the guy who likes ghost stories. Right. You know, like I'm more of a ghost story guy. Like, give me like a creepy, you know, werewolf monster that looks real, but it's still it's not right. like a dead guy with like guts hanging out. Yeah, I'm not. I was never a fan of like the super gory stuff. Right. I like the the tension and the yeah. mystery. The only time I appreciate yeah. gore is like an old school horror film where you realize how much work it takes to make something look real. Yeah, no, That's I'm not cool. saying it's never, but right. just when it's just like a slasher film, like Saw or something. Oh, right. That's just yeah. not my sort of horror. Much. Well, yeah, and I feel like that's even a different genre. Like the old school slashers, like, you know, Texas Carpenter movies. And I never actually saw that. That's a good movie. I heard it's great. But uh, Halloween. It's just freaky. Yeah. Um, Halloween, Friday the 13th, right? All those were that kind of old school slasher, but they weren't like super gory. I mean, they couldn't really be, they were, but they were in a way that was like, well, that's makeup. That's, you know, fake blood. As opposed to like when Saw comes around yeah. and it's like, the, I am horrified because this is like that guy's arm. It's too, gone. it's too, you're not supposed to see that kind of stuff. It's just too real. You yeah. Know? It's weird. I mean, we live in an age where like that stuff is po like, cause I mean, you, the only time you'd ever see that in history was like on the battlefield. Yeah, that's true. You know, you would see like someone's head get blown off or something. Yeah, but ugh. to see it for pleasure, right? A, it's a little weird. I mean, there, there's definitely like there is the aspect that you know on some level that it is a story that it's fake that these are actors. Well, obviously, but it is you're right. It, there's a level there's definitely there where, a morbid curiosity right. that goes along with. It. I for mean, sure. that's part of the reason that you know these psycho killer shows are so popular because people are fascinated by right. what it was possesses about people to. Yeah, what are the levels of you know? mental illness or demonic possession or you know all what are demons. the factors involved <laughs> it's all demons dude that, john is the one who is, thinks demons are responsible for pretty much everything bad. well I, th I jeremy would also agree that i think that it's why are you guys talking that's confusing when you're talking third person i'm saying it to, <laughs> to identify that i think that's definitely a, an explanation for some of the cases you know maybe for a lot of the cases um oh i can't judge the proportions you know i can't see through the ether and see the spirits but i always thought it'd be a great idea for a t-shirt is for you it's all demons, and you're just like giving a thumbs up, <laughs> smiling. It's all demons. Starve your ghouls. Starve your ghouls, people. Anyway, let's go back to the topic of the day. Today, guys, we are going to be talking about lighthouse lore and freakish fog. And in researching the various mysteries of lighthouses, coming across the prolific outpouring of supernatural stories, ghost stories from these places, it just makes sense. These are buildings often very isolated. Yeah, you're in seclusion against nature's edge, surrounded by fog and mist and uh, ocean spray. And after researching this, this is one job that I would never want to have, no. to be a light keeper at a lighthouse. Especially in like the 1800s when we were looking at some of these stories. Being on your own, like when I'm alone in my apartment in my bedroom, sometimes I get a little scared. <laughs> but it, then, then again, I feel like there's reason to be. Last night, I had this experience and it became a shared experience. Yeah, but, thanks for sharing. So this happens to me once in a while. And throughout the years of different places I've lived, I'll have this experience where something's touching me at night. And I think a lot of people experience that. And you're like, is it sleep deprivation? Um, are you working things up in your head? But I kept, it was a constant like, you know, a little hair tug. 
little uh, little touch on the face, that sense of like something's there with you, you know, and whether or not that's psychological. And you can argue that, but at one point I'm laying there and I finally fall asleep and then I feel a finger slide in between the rim of my underwear <laughs> and my bottom. <laughs> and my, and bottom. my buttocks. <laughs> this is a true story. <laughs> Happened and it woke me up and I, what? You know, but it's one of those things where it happens in a moment. I was like, did I dream that? Was that a dream? And then, and then later that night, I was trying to fall asleep and I felt this just tap on the side of my back. Just a little like, little slap. And I thought Chris had come in and was waking me up and turn around, no one there. But it was a very real just tap. I wasn't asleep. It was yeah. just like someone hit me and I just... You know, you do the thing. It wasn't where you just terrifying, ride it off. but it was just enough to creep you out to where you, it was hard to stay asleep. I think you're haunted. We're both getting touched in different rooms, and not by a lady. <laughs> so it was disappointing. <laughs> lady. Anyway, we'll figure out what's going yeah, on. Anyways, I was loving. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll loving, figure it out. I was loving that lighthouse soundscape that was going on under our non-lighthouse related story. But uh, <laughs> it still was kind of creepy. Yeah, that, that's that was a, a creepy point. atmosphere. Yeah, that gives you guys a taste of what's coming up in this episode. So we're gonna get into some. Creepy lighthouse yeah. stories, mysteries. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that seclusion aspect of, of being a lighthouse keeper. You have the psychological horror there of just being alone. You know, there's a lot of um, murders throughout history because of just the isolation. When it's two men working together, being in that sort of environment for long periods of time. And then when you're completely alone, I mean, think of all the the aspects that go into I don't know surviving how, that mentally. I don't know how often or if ever they are completely alone. I feel like from what I was reading and one of the stories that we're there's not... shifts for sure, yeah. Yeah, one of the stories we're not going to go into today, but was going to be the featured topic was the Flannan Isle Lighthouse mystery where these three light keepers disappeared, seemingly inexplicably. The problem is the more I researched and dove into that, it was another Roanoke situation oh. where it was extremely plausible. There was a guy by the name of Mike Dash from 14 Times who did a whole article on like, basically like, well, this, there are things such as freak waves could easily have swept two of the light keepers off. The other light keeper came out without his jacket on because he was in a hurry, knocked his chair over, ran out to help them and also got washed away. So because you find, you know, they're, oh, there's still, why did one guy disappear without his oil slicker on? Why did he leave? You know, was there a struggle if the chairs knocked over? Where are the clocks stopped? Was there a time portal? And then I was like, well, how do you power clocks in the 1900s? Looks up, you have to wind them. And they didn't find these guys until, you know, how many days later? And the plausible argument that a lot of people put forward after that that isn't put on BuzzFeed and stuff is uh, the clocks needed wound. So the clock stopped. But there's a lot of things that seemed mysterious that just had explanations. Yeah. Well, and I think it was a bona fide mystery for a long time because there was no evidence of a freak wave until I think not too long ago, there was one recorded in Scandinavia that was almost that high that could have wiped out not only these lighthouse keepers, but the railings that were really high up on the tower, which is what occurred there. Well, further lighthouse keepers that worked at this lighthouse, um, another guy, I forget his name, but later on he was f fascinated by the story and he would take pictures of these waves and found evidence that they definitely go up that high. Uh, and then I saw a picture on Wikipedia under Freak Wave that it goes 170 feet Photoshop. out of the water. Yeah, Photoshop. <laughs> Isn't that a tsunami? No, so these are waves that occur in the ocean or against like a shoreline or, or like an, a small island or something where the waves just hit against each other in such a way that it, they build up and, you know, but tsunamis are usually generated by what, like an earthquake, earthquake or something? still the same concept though, right? Right. They're generated differently. But it's called a freak wave because you can't, uh, there's no, right. there's no warning. cause that you would know of. 170 feet? Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. That's way bigger than any tsunami, right? Tsunamis uh, are like know. 20 or 30 feet, I think. Yeah, I think tsunamis are longer lasting and they're pushing into the 170 inland. feet is like 
apocalyptic. Yeah, freak waves, I think they happen in ocean or on islands. That's an explanation for some ships that have been knocked over at sea and they don't know how when there wasn't a storm. It's because of these freak waves. I didn't know either, but apparently you were off by about 1,600 and so feet. The highest tsunami ever recorded was 1,720 feet. That's terrifying. Ludia Bay, Alaska. Was that when people were alive? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They recorded it. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, July 9th, 1958. That's 1,700 feet? 1,720 feet tall. That's like taller than a skyscraper. Oh, you oh, just yeah. look at that and be like, well, thanks, Lord, for I life. I just don't believe that. well that's why we're in the belief hole hold on here do you believe it john do you believe it It says most tsunamis cause the sea to rise no more than 10 feet what so 1700 feet yeah did you read that right which was in inches a tsunami with a record run-up height of 1720 feet occurred in okay what's a run-up height is that like once it's on land climbing up a yeah, you know, they, I, I think it's when it's running up a, like a, a hill because that's that's water being pushed against itself oh, from further back. Like maybe that's how far upland it went. Yeah, okay. it does say tall. That's hard to imagine, though. Hey, geologists out there and oceanographers, I mean, let us think know. about how tall. I mean, I get it. Like yeah, a skyscraper really, is. Yeah, that would destroy the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> Tsunamis that pummeled the coast, one of which towered two hundred nineteen feet. That's really high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've, it seems like it was that tall, 1776. I just, I can't even understand that. Yeah. So freak waves are, unlike tsunamis, I think they happen more in the ocean, says uh, unexpected suddenly appearing surface waves that can be extremely dangerous even to large ships such as ocean liners. Here's a photo from 1943 that we'll put in the show notes of a breaking wave over the islet of Rockall. The rock's peak here is 57 feet above sea level and the height of the ocean spray was 170 feet. So you can imagine if you were on a lighthouse working there and you weren't in that lighthouse, you were out doing rigging or something. And right, you'd be gone. And you'd be swept away. And then, so anyways, long story short, that was to explain just one of the reasons why the, the flint, and that's not a, by any stretch like this is the explanation, but I'll put in the show notes for anyone interested, a link to the article by Mike uh, Dash from 14 Times who just really broke down all of the kind of faux mysteries of the flannel and it is it is an interesting historical story and it was a mystery at the time i didn't want to do a whole episode on here's this mystery that's not really a mystery so instead we're deciding to focus on the real mysteries that remain out there at least the ones that we've seen the ones that have been witnessed by others right and the lighthouses remain a great example of mysterious dark corners of the planet if you think about it when you're out when you're a lighthouse keeper you are really at the edges of land right you know you're you, it's you and then this abyss of Visibly nothing. The edge of nature. Yeah, it's, it's, it is, you are very alone there. And um, I think that's why you do get a lot of supernatural experiences. And uh, a lot of those experiences involve a fog. And I'm excited about what's coming up on the expansion episode. We're going to be getting into Fortean fog, as I like to call it. But basically fog that seems to precipitate or align itself with supernatural experiences and entities. Coming up in the expansion episode. Fascinating. Expansion episode. Yeah, so what lighthouse stuff are we getting into, Jeremy? Yeah, so I found a couple accounts of famously haunted lighthouses. With interesting corroborative testimony. Ooh, fun. Yeah, very much fun. And then we have a first-hand account. Right, Chris? Yeah, we're gonna, then I'm going to cover the story of George Eaton, who was... George Eaton. George Bubba Eaton. Mm-hmm. By the way, did you know you do not spell Bubba, B-U-B-U? 
Yeah, that's boo-boo. Yeah, <laughs> I figured that out <laughs> later. <laughs> so, Chris, spell real any, good. Uh, you see any misspellings? Chris, spell real Chris good. Spell real good. Uh, if you see any misspellings in the um, in the show notes, I can't here. believe you thought Bubba was B U B U. Very phonetic. I literally have forgotten to spell almost every single word. I really like. <laughs> it's good. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I blame it's autocorrect. I blame autocorrect because I don't. I don't try anymore. I don't try to remember. I even try to type. My hands are just like baloney sticks. It's funny they just how flap good at the of a keyboard. writer you are, but you can't spell words. No, because I, I just stop caring when I didn't need to do it. It's not something you care well. about. I don't care. It just happens naturally. I don't know how many times I've been on my iPad, like this iPad, and I go to type and I just do this. Because, you know, yeah. I'm not using my thumbs for whatever reason. I'm in a weird position. And I'm just kind of slapping around the letters because I know that Google will probably figure it out. Like, I don't even have to, like, do things well. It's pretty sad. Yeah. I just have to do things enough for AI to figure out what you, I want. You know how good uh, auto, like, speech correct is getting? Like, it's it'll scary. get my mess ups wrong. Yeah. Have you noticed that? What do you mean? When you do speech to text, uh huh, it'll correct your mess ups. Like, it'll stop. You'll be like, and it'll type, like, perfectly. And then you'll be like, bubba. And then it'll go erase it and then retype it. Oh, it'll erase your mess yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, then... it's really good. Like, it'll, if, scary. You, if you say a word wrong, yeah. it'll spell it how you said it phonetically. And then when you correct it, it'll erase it and wow. change it. So if it makes sense. It's like, sorry, human, I noticed your sub. Yeah, I mean, it's is... really, really pretty good now. That's scary. Anyways, it doesn't have anything to do with light analysis. No, but... no, no, no. Although it does in the sense that uh, these scary experiences that we're going to talk about now is becoming a thing of the past. I, I think most, if not all, lighthouses are automated. Or at least remotely controlled, right. maybe. Um, so a lot of these, because of the ghosts, that's what yeah. I think it is. It reminds me of being like a train engineer. Mm -hmm. Although that's still pretty important. Wow, Ooh, good timing, train horn. Literally a train it's horn. It's not as isolated, but if you were in the like going through the mountains somewhere, oh right, because a lot of the train tracks are just in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, dude, that would be an interesting episode to do. That would be the stories of train conductors. I'm sure there's got to be. Oh some, yeah, some stories. I remember some vaguely, just off the top of my head, like the. Headless lantern uh, keeper, or what? Like there would be a guy that would hold a lantern, or I don't know. I can't remember. That exactly. doesn't sound nearly as good as the way you built it up. Headless lantern man. Something. It was something like that. I'm just saying. There, you're right, John. There, it is an, another isolated kind of job that also deals with the changing geography right. and that kind of like being in transition. Yeah. The sense of being a lighthouse when I imagine it being alone out there on the edge of land. And that sort of fear of like you're vulnerable, right? But there's also this separate kind of vulnerable feeling if you imagine being a train conductor and then not only are you by yourself on this man-made thing, but you're moving through nature's land. Right. So it's like whatever's out there, you're waking things up that might be like, oh, what's that? So you're also like letting you're not people going know. Super fast. Yeah, it's like true. going 35 miles. Just like an a hour. dog man, just the light sprint to get up. To <laughs> I feel like you. that's slow <laughs> enough that something could just get on. Yeah, if yeah. It really, it's like to. A, if you think about it, if you believe Ooh, in that's creepy. If you believe in like you know strange creatures that have yet to be discovered, things like that, or interdimensional or whatever, like the need sort of a loneliness atmosphere to grab its prey, then I feel like that's just a food conveyor belt. Like a train yeah. going out into the distance for you know a thousand miles of just forest land. Like it's. I wonder. Yeah. If it's like a dinner bell. I wonder if it ever happens where like the train conductor is just not on when when it arrives. I'm sure that's happened. Oh, that would be bizarre. You know what? We're going to do this episode, guys, and it's going to be a great episode. Yeah. I mean, does it does, does it automatically break? What if no one's These on the train? These are the questions what? that, we, that <laughs> right, the news gets to. Like there's a pressure sensor on the floor? Well, I mean, what happens if someone gets, you know, hurt? So what I think it is, I think there are brakes built into the, tr if you're coming too fast, it'll start to break for you. There's got to be a, a some backup. defense mechanism yeah, on the tracks, right. but I don't. I don't know. I mean, you know. Well, we'll dig into that. We'll dig into that. That'd be that'd be an interesting episode to yeah, do. Yeah, let's do it. But speaking of this, that makes me think of the concept. And there's a guy, Bubba Boo Boo, as Chris likes to call him. <laughs> Boo -boo. Sorry, Bubba. He mentions how like the fear that kind of chokes in as the fog 
rolls in knowing right. that it's going to be really heavy fog. And just thinking about that, like being at the top of the lighthouse, looking out, and then you see all around you, all you see is this massive fog front moving in, knowing that like pretty soon it's going to be to the point where you can see nothing but fog, but you know beyond that fog are hundreds of miles of open, deep, deep water. Imagine like you're not sure, like I have a fear when I'm in the ocean of like what's beneath the water. Imagine you're in the fog in this lighthouse, you know, on top of the ocean, surrounded by water. And then all you see coming out of the fog is just this like 300 foot tentacle arm or something, <laughs> you know, like a crack. I don't think that happens often. But what I mean is like, you don't know what monsters Chris, could live in the depths. If you were in that, you would think you saw it every night. Yeah. Well, I, you You'd know, like, I, did you see that tentacle arm? <laughs> well, even barring lighthouses. It, t- it poked my butt crack <laughs> through the rim <laughs> of my underwear. Molested me in the night. Apart from lighthouses and 300-foot tentacle arms, what, what I do fear is when I'm on a beach at night is that I can't see the ocean. So sometimes I'll just imagine that there's a giant wave coming. Some freak yeah, exactly. wave. Exactly. Yeah, we talked oh, yeah. about that before. Yeah. We all used to feel that. Anyway, let's get into the first story, Jer. Let's do it. I thought, we, I thought we'd start with, with Babu. With Bubba. Yeah, no offense to Bubba, because he sounds like uh, he's had some pretty intense experiences there. So this story was really difficult to track. We've heard it in, in a couple places. There's there's no written accounts online. Right. So we really wanted to retell the story for the show, but we had to do some deep digging to find some resources. But right. uh, it's, I think it's a great story. And this guy, I love the way he tells his story, because he's got that, that thick New England sort of dialect, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like a good old boy version of John F. Kennedy. Uh, sort of a Boston, Bostonian, but like... He's uh, from Maine, right? Yes. Uh, he's from Lubeck, which is where this story takes place. So for four years in the 1970s, George Bubba Eaton was in charge of a small U.S. Coast Guard crew that kept watch over the lighthouse and the surrounding sea. The following is his testimony. I will not be in the house alone, believe it or not. I can never be alone for the rest of my life. You've got to give the weather report every four hours while you're watching from the light. You've got to keep watch for the fog. Somebody might be drowning out there or falling overboard, so you're constantly watching the ocean too. You always had that feeling like somebody was either looking at you or standing behind you or something like that. There was a presence you felt, and it felt dark or evil. But somebody that is not used to a rural setting like Lebec, and they come from a city to work at the station, it can be a real shock for them. I came in one morning and I found a guy who was trying to commit suicide. He was up on the light and facing the ocean and he locked the door to get up there and he wanted to jump off the lighthouse to kill himself. So I had to call the medical center to come down and they just took him out in a straitjacket. He was kicking, yelling, screaming, and I just kept asking. What happened to you? What happened to you? How do you get to that state of mind? And then this guy named Bradley, he was from Lubeck. He had trouble. He was scared. He was scared to stay there alone. So one night, I came down to check on him, and I went down over to the hill, and all the lights were on. All the lights. I was thinking, what the heck? I get closer down, and all I see the lights and all the windows busted out of his car. His taillights, his headlights, they were all smashed out. Glass all over the ground. I'm going, man, somebody did that to him, and you know we're gonna get to the bottom of it. So I went in there, into the lighthouse, and I'm hollering, Bradley, Bradley, where are ya? 
And then I realized he locked himself in the bathroom. I said, Bradley, you in there? Open up the door right now or I'm going to kick it in, you punk. (laughs) (laughs) Punk was added. Creative license. Honest to God, there was a mattress and a pillow right by the flush. He had a gun. He had a knife. He had an axe. He was just in horror. I asked, what happened to you? He goes, honest to God, I looked out the window and there was 12 people in cloaks and they had sticks and they were going around my car and smashing it all up. (laughs) I said, okay, where did all these people go? Did you see where they all went? He said, they vanished into the woods. I said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, have a good night. (laughs) I get him out and get him a cup of coffee and he was shaking and everything like he was scared to death. I called the medical center again and Hannah come down and take him off in the straitjacket. I went through about 10 people down there. It was hard enough to get somebody down there to stand that kind of duty. A lot of people can't do that. A lot of people can't be alone and you're out there all alone. I can see being scared and I was scared. I was scared of the animals. I was scared maybe seeing something else. When it started getting dark outside, I felt it. Nicely done, man. Very well done. The man of a thousand voices. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) really. So that's where his story really begins because these are experiences he had kind of secondhand as he went in and sort of, what is weird too about that story is like, everybody leaves in a straitjacket. Yeah. It's definitely right. the 70s. You know, like, oh, this guy's seeing ghosts. <laughs> Wrap him up. <laughs> Put him in that white coat. That was when they funded Insane Asylum. That's true, yeah. I guess maybe you're probably getting paid by the by the white jacket. Now they're all on the streets. Yeah. I wonder how easy it was to take someone away. You know what I mean? Like if to the funny fa- farm? Yeah. The funny farm, yeah. If you your family was like, yeah, how terrifying. kid's a real problem. We don't really love them very much. You know, like- I'm uh, sure it was probably pretty easy. Yeah. Because the state would probably get funding for every person That's that was in there. That's a good point, man. You also didn't have the um, the level of understanding of psychological issues back then. And they then. were experimented on. Yeah. You know, like they needed bodies to do their, like their, right. lear- their learnings. Oh, yeah. That went on for- <laughs> Their learnings. <laughs> almost a century. I mean, not obviously not every place. There were, I'm sure there were a lot of good workers at these places, but- But it was an experimental time on the human for mind. For sure. There was yeah. a lot of stuff Even going, like yeah. uh, psychologists- Mm-hmm figuring out how the human brain works, how social behavior, like a lot of that stuff. How much pain a person can withstand. You know, I'm sure a lot of the, you know, it just, I imagine it wasn't a very nice place to be, no matter even if you had nice people there, there's always going to be some mad scientist background. I'd like to know the follow-up of these, these guys that were carted away. Yeah. This was in the seventies. Workers kept getting taken off in straitjackets. Like, did they get out? I mean, I guess eventually they would have had to have if they survived. No one gets out, Chris. <laughs> in the original place where we heard this, his interview, the story, uh, he doesn't mention the name of the lighthouse, but I found it. it it's um, because he was South Lubeck. Mm-hmm. It's probably the West Quaddy Lighthouse. Yeah, because that's the famous red striped one. Right. That's the one that he worked at. You haven't yeah. started his experience yet, have you? Not yet. Not his personal one. I just want to make a point that this is the furthest Eastern point of land in the United States. Oh, right. Yeah. So he is at the very edge of the world, essentially, the continental United, yeah, the United States. Yeah, he's saying the Earth is flat. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, John. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> Anyways, you're, so he's you know against the entire Atlantic. Yeah, right. And while he's out there, one man against the abyss. This is when he has a pretty incredible encounter that changes his life. So eventually, they run out of people to go to this lighthouse, 
know, you're getting, um, as he describes, it's sort of like the kind of folk that don't get along, that sort of end up in these places. The people that, you know, don't work well with others. They go yeah. to lighthouses. Right. Oh, that's right. You said that they, the really isolated ones like this, they send those kinds of people there. Right. To work it. So he's kind of like, he's kind of the guy in charge overseeing this crew, right? Of these people coming in and out of this place. Eventually, they, there's too much turnover. There's no one that's going. Right. So he has to go. Uh-oh. Yeah. Creepy atmosphere. Hold on. Man, I miss it already. <laughs> Credit to John for building these custom creepy lighthouse atmospheres. Yeah. Custom creepers. So he starts taking the post of the lighthouse keeper. And for a while, you know, it's not going too bad. People are coming to see him every day. Um, you know, he's scared of things, but it's mostly the animals. You know, they got bears out there. They've got coyotes. But he's out there in this lighthouse, and he started to notice that at night, his room was right by the kitchen. He would start to hear drawers opening and closing, cabinets banging, uh, spoons and bowls, like someone's eating soup, like those kinds of sounds. They're stirring coffee, right? Yeah, stirring tea. So initially, he's not thinking ghosts. He's thinking people breaking in. Because if you remember back to his friend Bradley, who had his car smashed up by a bunch of what seemed like some satanic cult, you know, all these people in cloaks that busted out his friend's car. So he's thinking these are people. So what he does when he's hearing these sounds and having these experiences, he sets up trip wires to get like little jingles in case someone enters the lighthouse, you know, oh, that's illegally, cool. things like that. Um, like in Congo. Right. With the lasers. But he never, these, are, these things are never tripped. Um, but yet he's still hearing the drawers opening in the kitchen, things like that. And uh, one night, things changed. It was one of those nights where the weather was calling for severe fog. Uh, we got heavy fog rolling in tonight. Winds coming in out of, I forget, I think it might have been the southeast. In that region, that's when the fog gets almost supernaturally thick. And so he was kind of getting ready for that. That night, at about 10 p.m., there's a knock on the front door. And he thinks, oh, this is kind of weird. No one came to see me today. Maybe it's someone I know. But no one's ever come to see me this late. So... He hears the knock, he gets up, he goes downstairs, he opens the door, and standing in front of him is a woman who's dressed in what he describes as almost a Civil War era dress, all gray. But he says the expression on his face is something that still haunts him every night. And it's this hollow but terrified expression, almost a mix of terror and anger, but mostly despair. And he says as he's looking at her, his heart just starts pounding. And she's looking right through him. But then she says, can I use the bathroom? And eventually he gets up the words to speak and he says, uh, yeah, go ahead, use the bathroom. And he starts to tell her where it is, but she cuts him off and says, I know where it is. And then she sort of glides up the staircase. And as he watches her go up, he says, oh, you must have been here before. And then she enters the bathroom, doesn't turn on the light. And he watches for about five minutes. The light never comes on. And then he's thinking, okay, there's something. And at that moment, he's like, should I run? It's like, this isn't a human. This isn't a living person. I don't know what this is. Um, but he calms himself down. And eventually she comes back down the stairs. Doesn't say anything to him. Walks right out the door, back into this thick, mysterious, supernatural-looking fog. Walks into this. And then he says, Miss, you're going in the wrong direction because she's headed right for the cliff. And then no response from her. He calls after her. He goes out as far as he can to where it's safe. Never sees her. Never sees her again. 
he goes down and looks the next day to see if there's a body. No one, there's no body ever reported. He says to this day, he dreams about her every single night. Still doesn't know what happened to her. The other thing that he said was weird. He's, he's like, you know, I think after, you know, there was there for four years, I, I would expect her to come back at some point. Never came back. What was it about that night? What was it about me? Severe fog. Severe fog. Mm-hmm. And that is the lesson, ladies and gentlemen, of today's story. <laughs> yeah. Watch <laughs> out for the fog. Well, it is because an expansion episode. We're going to be getting into the weirdness of fog. What the fog brings, right? What the fog is fog all about? The fog, yo. There are these weird parallels with stories involving fog, involving time shifts, dimensional overlap. Fog is a very, very mysterious substance. Well, <laughs> if you think about it, obviously there's, you know, there is fog and there is explanations for <laughs> fog. <laughs> But there is certain kinds of fog where it seems like... I mean, fog just is made to be mysterious. When God made fog, he was like, <laughs> when movies happen and when creepy things happen, it's just perfect. Yeah. He was like, I made all these scary things, but how can they move around without anybody seeing them? Yeah, we I'll need, make fog for them. Right. It's their transport vehicle. Exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because what we're going to get into on the expansion episode is the research of people like John Keel, Nick Redfern, um, Linda Godfrey, people who talk about this fog and how it is sort of becomes a cloak for these entities. John Keel, uh, later in his life, started to believe that these things are all connected and one of the common threads is this fog and how much of these things are all tightly interlinked to the same phenomenon. Dogmen, uh, Bigfoot, ghosts, UFOs. Uh, It's interesting, but we're going to get to some of those accounts coming up. Let's take a break. Yeah, and uh, when we come back, I have some interesting little follow-up to the uh, incident with the car being beaten where he thought it was maybe local occultists. Or oh, you some do? kind of cult, yeah. Just, just some interesting main uh, history in that area. Cool. So we'll, we'll see you guys after the break. All right. I do, I do, it's all real. They're outside right- No one's available to take your call, but you can leave your story at the sound of the tone. No, 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 they're outside right now. They're outside, no. Do you have a spooky story? Don't wait until it's too late. Give us a call, beliefhole.com. We be back. We're back. We're back. Mm-hmm. And it feels good. So I wanted to mention, I was curious ever since hearing about um, a couple different stories. One I think was from FBI investigator. Oh, what's his name? Um, it's a series of clicks and pops. <laughs> yes, he's Ted Gunderson, I think was his name. But he he researched a lot in the 80s. And this gets controversial. There is the, uh, the concept of SRA right? Satanic ritual abuse and the right. idea of like devil worship in the eighties and, and mm-hmm. obviously satanic panic stuff, satanic panic stuff. Like, I that's, think that actually all happened. I think it was a mix. Yeah, I'm sure it was, but they, the way they made it, like they hyped it up so yeah. much, the satanic panic. And I think so the point was to disguise yeah, that some I think of it. That, that was a big part of it. Yeah. Cause I do believe there's a lot of pedophilia and, you know, quote devil worship or whatever in the higher up levels of Local governments, uh, you know, obviously, not, I mean, obviously, I believe in the, in the higher ups, there's evidence for that and whistleblowers have come out. Um, but it's hard because, you know, you have a lot of good, well-meaning people that 
consider themselves like Wiccan or practicing some form of magic. And it this so often just gets lumped together, right? right. As like, oh, devil worshiping, ritualistic abusers and, you know, people who who work with what they think, you know, their witchcraft of Wiccan or, or whatever it is. Like Wicca. Druid? Yeah, and I have some friends. Our ancestors? You know, like that. And um, so anyways, I just wanted to mention that. Uh, but I do think there is a reality to a lot of the stuff that was going on. And so whenever, I hear, sure, that, whenever yeah. I hear anecdotes of that, that was in the 70s, right? Mid to late 70s. Um, and that Ted Gunderson, I forget his story exactly, it was something about coming across this group of people in the desert. It's very like urban legendy or whatever. So I, anyways, I was just looking in the area to see if in Maine... Uh, if there was a history of that, you know, I'm pretty sure just to jump in, I'm pretty sure Satanic Panic was more 80s, 90s. Yeah, it was. Not 70s. Right, right. I'm just saying, I'm building up to that. There's been. Oh, right, right, right. right. I'm just saying, just because something becomes like hyped or uh, in the public sphere at that time doesn't mean there wasn't a history of it or, or whatever. Right. So, anyways, I was just searching for like references, articles, newspapers in Maine. And listeners out there in the area, you might know if there was like any kind of like a cult activity. Yeah, um, satanic or quote devil worshiping or whatever words you want to use to describe yeah, that and kind you know, of black magic. Yeah, no, you're right, and I think that's a good point to make because when you talk about like Wiccans, I don't think they're dressing in black cloaks, bashing out lighthouse keepers' cars. Right, exactly, <laughs> and trying to terrify. This people. is the the concept of like the darker, you know, the, right. those seeking out like. And there's a lot of accounts, and and I was reading some court documents I won't get into now, just in New England in general, where they. It was about like, you know, the feeble do not deserve to live that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Like and it's some quote from Satanic Bible or something, just about basically like feeding off of the weak. Yeah, like you you have a right over them and you deserve the something like the reverence of men. And those who are weak uh, deserve like a oblivion or something like that. I'm not quoting it well, exactly. It feels kinda like that's what's happening in our world right now too. Just at a higher like level globally. Right. Yeah. Just kind of a global energetic. Sort of, right. I'm not going to get into it now, but I just feel like there's this oppression coming from higher ups right now in a lot of different ways. That's, I mean, yeah, you definitely make that argument for yeah. a lot of obvious reasons. Neil peasants. Anyways. So I found this article. This is called Real Witches. And this comes from Bangor, Maine, which I think is more central Maine, but it's in the area. Stephen King territory. Yeah. This was by Bob Haskell put out October 30th. 1991. Ooh. Oh boy. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, you're getting close there. Now, close I like the Halloween. Boy. I like the, uh, the flavor of his writing here. It was a dark and stormy night. Honest. A brisk wind chilled by an autumn rain outside Commons Hall in Eddington was made to order for the topic being discussed inside, the occult and ritual crime in the area. The speaker Carl Andrews, chief deputy of the Penobscot County Sheriff's Department, Fifty people had turned out on this night three weeks before Halloween for this public awareness meeting on the occult and ritual crime as it affects this county. What a, sorry, I was just going to say, whoever works on the town council and organizes the meetings, that was pretty good publicity. Let's do yeah, it the, the night day before, before Halloween to talk about occult crimes. Well, part of it was to warn about and to make people aware oh, right. of what might be occurring on Halloween. This would be the day, you know, that you'd get more of these kinds of things happening. Interesting. Uh Quote, too many parents want the social system to raise their kids. This occult activity is an offshoot of that. Basically, like, these are like kind of like latchkey kids. At least that's, that's what I got from it. Like, they're left to their own device. I don't know. Maybe I didn't miss Wait, who's that. saying that? The, the chief police, deputy police. I mean, I, I can see how that would play into it. It's just lack of parenting? It, yeah, as kids are looking for, like, some sort of... Oh, guidance. Guidance or just something to belong to, powerful, to right. gain strength and when they feel weak. Mm -hmm. It's like gangs, but instead of gangs, right. it's, you know... The devil. Um, if you want to snicker at this notion, 
on this day before Halloween, be my guest. No one was snickering at Collins Hall three weeks ago. Carl Andrews was a convincing speaker. He brought photographs of graves that had been opened so part of the bodies could be used for dark side rituals. Wow. Of dogs and sheep that had been tortured and sacrificed. Of a ring of fire in an old garage in Herman, Maine, where satanic worshippers had gathered late at night. Quote, if you've got a kid or know a kid involved in this, they are at risk, Andrews warned. They are swapping blood. That means a risk Ew. of AIDS. Of course, this is 91 when it was, that was more prevalent. And I don't know what you can get from the goat's blood or cat's blood, meaning like what disease. So it's dangerous. Oh, I thought you meant like power. Besides, <laughs> yeah, right, besides the possession aspect or like just the general violence and that kind of thing. It's just not hygienic. It's not hygienic. Um, his quote, dark ritual is compelling reading. Quote, have you listened, really listened to any of the heavy metal music that oh teens and preteens are listening to? Okay, so that's the typical like thing to laugh at, right? right. Heavy metal music. Um, have you heard or read any of the lyrics? Have you paid attention to the newspapers and television shows that frequently talk of teenage suicide packs and sacrificial killings? And music, I think, is an enormous way. If this stuff is real, it is, especially in the music industry that has oh, all yeah. this power now. The pop music There is industry. satanic Tons of it, especially now it's so blatant, but it's a way to transfer energy into young minds. And I think there's lines there, like obviously, you know, I grew up listening to some like darker rock, but mm -hmm. it wasn't, I think there's lines between that and then like, that's like explicitly, yeah. you know. What are you talking about, like Tool like or Tool something? Like Tool and Nine Inch Nails and... Well, Nine Inch right Nails, there was some seriously dark... Right, but it, well, I never felt like it was, uh, my soul was vulnerable to converting oh, into a Satan Oh, I definitely guy. felt Satan. like an energy of like, I mean, especially when I first heard it, it got, to, after a while I got acclimated to it, but at the beginning. Really? I oh, never yeah. felt like it was dangerous. God I still listen to it. Well, okay, I don't agree with all the lyrics, <laughs> but uh, I'm just saying it had a, it had an intense effect on me at the beginning, and then I got used to right. the music. Right, and I can right. see like an argument for messaging if you think that that is a dangerous thing for people who, especially if you hold a certain belief system, that's a danger to that. But the idea that there's that there might be a in those situations a uh, supernatural danger. I mean, you can argue that. I just, when I, I'm just, in my oh, experience growing sure. up, I didn't have it's that experience. Sure. Well, you're still getting fingered by the devil. I don't think that's because I listened to Tool. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you're into all sorts of that's stuff. That's disgusting, by fingered the way. That's not accurate. That's not what I described. Well, it was a finger. He didn't enter not my body. Not in a sexual body. way, but you can still be fingered. You can be fingered in court. He fingered that man as the that's guilty true. assailant. All right, let's get back to continue here. Uh, this, this part was kind of interesting. This reminds me of Rogue's Hollow. So, uh, Continuing, do you pay mind to the graffiti symbols painted on buildings, bridges, and schools? Like the kids painting these things. It All right. just reminds me of this kind of like, parents aren't really paying attention. doesn't matter. Obviously, there there's this kind of like, you always see pentagrams. You always, you know, you see a lot of references to Satan or the devil. Just a general dark kind of movement. And of course, you can say like, there is the Church of Satan that'll say like, oh, well, we are basically, uh, I think I read a quote recently and it was about the purpose was, um, to recognize man's animal, animal supremacy in, in our world against an un, unkind or indifferent universe. Like that was the concept, right? Right. But like you have kids that are doing this that like, yeah, it's a way to rebel, but it, it there is the the seductive nature of the dark side of magic, I think is what, I mean, that would is what would have drawn me. Yeah, and I think, I think you're absolutely right. But I think when, I'm, when I think about like graffiti under bridgeways and things like that, I think of more like a response to like, uh, that's metal. 
like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to do this. Right. Not like they're practicing a ceremony under the freeway. No, I wasn't saying know? that specifically, but just the idea that this kind of culture and is how there. How would you know either? You have no idea what goes on in those circles. Chris has been in those circles. I'm just, I'm not. <laughs> You're blo- like, that's not what I think about what happens. Was that, was that what you think? I have no idea. Exactly. Right. But I'm so not saying, I'm saying it could though. It could be. I doubt yeah. it. Well, I'm first of all, metal I'm talking about live under a bridge. I don't, you think if you're, uh, I don't know if, if you're practicing, I'm saying if they're, if they're making occult symbols in kind of places, which, which is they though, who's, which days? Cause that's what we're we talking got, about. I'm, I'm, I'm talking, talking about the, the graffiti in this story. Yeah, are, but are you talking about, so do you are th- they making occult signs underneath the bridge? Yeah. It was just well, like graffiti. Yeah. It could totally be that. It I could, mean, it you could be. I, what, my, what I'm saying is, you if, you're, if you're going to have a ceremony, you think you'd do it where you wouldn't have to hide from a car every two minutes. No one's saying that there was a ceremony taking place there. The point is, those symbols are a sign of people that are interested in this kind of thing, right? Or music, yeah. Or music. But, you know, I mean, to say that it doesn't happen is silly. Like, I was reading court transcripts of people in, in Maine in, like, the 90s, in the 80s, who were... They're, like, in a gang. Like they're or tagging they're their... A, there was one kid who sounded like came from a really broken home, was always yelling, Hail Satan at people. You know, on the outside, heavy metal, pentagrams, whatever. And then he murdered his own, own friend and asked him to say that you love the devil before he shot him in the head. And well, I didn't say there was an overlap. I'm just saying... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying this, this stuff does happen. And, of right. course, there's a lot that's, you know, there's, overblown. Yeah, there's, yeah. The truth is always somewhere in the middle. And right. it's just important to be aware of that. Anyways, I agree. I agree with that. This wasn't supposed to get so dark. Uh, this episode should be called Lighthouses and Lucifer. Yeah, I wasn't planning on making <laughs> this dark. I just had one thing to relate to the that kind of cult activity around the car. That was the whole point. Right. Okay, Andrew said he has been exploring uh, satanic rituals for nine years because his academic interests leaned toward abnormal psychology and because he used to wonder about the people he saw running through the night when patrolling the counties, towns, and back roads. Creepy. So obviously someone who's seen these kinds of things happening or, you know, evidences of that uh, in the area where this lighthouse story took place. Not right there, but, you know, not too far. Kids past curfew. Yeah. Right. Not a lot of law enforcement people are involved in this, said Andrews, a man of sharp features who acknowledged he is considered the county's, quote, ghostbuster. He believes that people living close to you and me believe in and practice these kinds of things. He told of a man living in Piscataquis County. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Pis- Piscataqua. Piscataqua uh, County, who claimed to be a, quote, gray witch and who made a circle of 13 pinpricks on the heel of his infant's foot. And this is for a positive purpose, apparently. Uh, The, quote, witch needed the blood of the virgin infant, Andrew said, to cast a protective spell around his family. So I guess wherever you get your tools, it's not Harbor Freight. Doesn't sound like Gandalf the Gray, that's for sure. Anyways, we don't have to go on. The whole point of this, me bringing this up, is that there's evidence in the area, at least... um, that people believed at that time that and, and had witnessed these You're kinds saying of within, like in the area of the, this lighthouse we just told the story about. Right. And Bangor, Maine's not in the area, but it's it's in Maine. So just the idea that it is geographically, <laughs> I mean, this stuff no, happens no, through right, small yeah. towns throughout the you know the country or has sure. in the past. So I just thought that I would bring that up. It sets the stage for sure. And that's around the time it corroborates period, yeah. that that guy definitely could have experienced that. And, he, and I even made me think of the woman who was the ghost that Bubba saw. Oh, you the know? Civil War lady? He said it was a Civil War type dress. Oh, okay. Well, in his mind, that's what it looked like. So my thought was, could this have been a cult member or a... Oh, like it wasn't a ghost, it was an, a, a runaway occult member? Potentially. I mean, there's nothing she did that was supernatural. Well, she went to the bathroom, never turned the light on. There's no windows in there. How's she going to the bathroom? And then she disappears into the fog, head towards the cliff, and she's never seen again. I'm just saying, if, if these people were playing pranks in the past on that's these people to freak them out... 
they could be working to draw fear. I mean, oh. there's nothing she did that uh, wouldn't be. That's a wretch. That's just a ghost, Jeremy. You don't know. Or, it could, know. or maybe a could time be. slip. It could be either. Yeah, or it could, it could be. It could stuff. be a time slip. You know, when when we're going to get into. Mm, I don't think so. When we get into the expansion <laughs> episode, one thing that accompanies these thick supernatural fogs is time slips. No. What do you know? <laughs> no, it's just ridiculous. You are a rude dude. I don't like your attitude. <laughs> You're a rude, crude dude, I just like sir. that. That's a good guidance counselor message. You're a rude dude, and I don't like your attitude. I think it could be a time slip. I'm just giving you a hard time. We should take one more break. Sounds good. And we're going to play a stinger. Ooh, that's right. Or River. River, aw. She's been with us for a while. The river runs through it. Yes, it does. <laughs> Hello, River. I thought it would be appropriate to thank you for being a patron by a soothing mm. and calming, flowing body of water. Water. Good meditation. <laughs> it may be a little cliche and on the nose, but it just seemed like the perfect place to whisper the excellence <laughs> of who you are into your ears. Very affirming. <laughs> I like it. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I love the end was so like abrupt. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. I almost had a little ominous <laughs> at the end. Yeah. That, that, was, just, that, that reminded me of, I almost thought you were doing like a river spirit stinger. Oh, yeah. Like you're, because we've covered stories about like oh, river spirits like by the water. Fairy. Yeah. Yeah. It just turned into more like a new age meditation. Yeah. Definitely be a meditation. Just stretch that out, loop it up. Thank you so much, River. Thank You've you. You've been for with us for a long us. time yeah. and. To you and all the patrons out there, or members, I should say. Oh, we should pitch um, also. We do have a Facebook group that we don't talk about very often. Oh, yeah, we should mention that. If we're trying to build up the community a little bit, it seems like a lot of people like each other, like similar minds. <laughs> a similar lot of people minds. like each other, yeah. You know, so if you want to if you want to find us on the, we're trying to grow that. So head over to Facebook and look for Belief Hole. Yeah, if you guys have, you know, uh, stories you want to share or just talk about, you know, ideas for episodes or whatever with each other, with fellow Belieflings, uh, definitely go to Facebook. We have a Facebook group. I think it's called Belief Hole Group. Belief Hole Bangers, I think. Okay. We should know better. But yeah, and check uh, that out. Um, we also have merch that we don't talk about very often. If you want to support the show, besides uh, actually becoming a patron and getting those double episodes, you can go to beliefhole.com. Get some cool swag. And uh, click on the merch button. Support us that way. And that's thanks to Lewis for giving us those ideas. Yeah, Lewis is a good friend of the show. He's been pushing us to be more uh, friends to ourselves in the right. sense of promoting <laughs> ourselves and what, what we have out there. So thanks for everyone supporting us and, and check that out. And uh, we love you very much. And we'll be right back. Be right back. here we're here hey guys hello hello it's so dark in here i can't even see my own shadow you can turn the light back on no, it's fine it's quite fine. scary in here i wanted to set the mood i wanted to well, i don't want to go to hell oh is that what happens in the darkness john <laughs> in your mind fear no i'm joking it's not scary don't put on a tool record right now john will be running out the door <laughs> i'm not afraid of tool <laughs> <laughs> i said tool wasn't it was more of nine inch nails specifically mm -hmm. like, the trent Reznor was like one of your heroes Back, oh, like a long time ago growing yeah. up. I don't, wouldn't call him a hero, but I definitely was, he was a, mu a musical hero to you, right? Yeah. He was inspiration. an inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. He's buff, isn't he? It was like after he went through a series of like health issues oh. and he took a long break and he got like healthy and muscular. Hmm. Carpuscular. 
Crepuscular started hanging out in the dusk. He's periods. only out at twilight and dawn. <laughs> yeah, crepuscular. <laughs> Jeremy, I'm bored. Okay. I have a sword and I'm bored. That's the most dangerous combination. Yeah, it is. <laughs> a lot of knights fall victim to cutting each other up because of that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So this next section I have titled Lingering Lighthouse Spirits. Nice. So you might guess it's mostly ghost-based. Yeah, I did guess that. Okay, uh, so I'm focusing mostly on the Sanguine Island Lighthouse or Light Station. I think that's how you pronounce it. S-E-G-U-I-N. Seguin. Uh, it's in the Gulf of Maine, not far from your uh, Bubba's story. Yeah, a lot of lighthouses out there. A lot of lighthouses, a lot of uh, rocks and water. A lot of dangerous coastline. So uh, a little background on this place. This is the tallest and second oldest lighthouse in Maine, dating back to 1795. A lot of time to make ghosts, right? Yes, <laughs> a lot of time to make ghosts, you're right. Distinguished as one of the foggiest locations of all coastal lighthouses, the foghorn is activated about 68 days per year. That's a lot of days per year. And it's only accessible via boat or helicopter, hence being an island. This little bit I want to read here, John, this is uh, the kind of the crux of the, the folklore of this island, the story, the, the kind of spiritual activity that you will witness from the legend of this of this place. Uh, I titled it, Honey, Please Stop Playing That Song. And we all heard that. Honey, please stop playing that song. It's great that you turned that into a song. <laughs> <laughs> Ironic. All right. Uh, Chris, you want to read this? You can read this sure. one. Local legend tells of a reported murder-suicide taking place on the island in the mid-1800s. A keeper who had recently married moved to the island three miles off the coast to tend to the light with his wife. Honey, I finally got to that island vacation. To help with his wife's boredom in the winter, the keeper had purchased her a piano to keep at the lighthouse. Unfortunately, the piano only came with the sheet music for one song. Unable to get new sheet music since the island was locked in ice, the wife played the same song over and over again eventually driving the keeper insane. Would you please stop playing that damn song? He took an ax to the piano. And then to his wife, before finally taking his own life. While many decades have gone by, passing ships still report that on quiet nights, that same monotonous tune can be heard trickling over the still waves. Ooh. So that's a... Is that true or is that one of those urban legends from the area? Well, that's the folklore from this area, right? But since then, there are reports of people obviously having heard this, maybe trying to explain that. Um, I didn't have enough time to check to see if there are records. I don't know if anyone has, if, you, if there are records of this, of a murder-suicide in the 1800s. I mean, that's, that's going way back. Uh, uh, town history in the library, maybe. I do want to throw in real quick because this is related. I was tuning a piano at Northwest High School, and I swear that choir room is haunted. I think you're haunted. No, no, no. I've never had an experience like this before. Everywhere it, you go, you're getting fingered and... Stop it with the... <laughs> yick. Um, no, I've never had an experience on a tuning like this before, where it was like the walls were creaking. And I mean, it's a new building, newer, the past like 10 years. I don't know if it's just the construction, but it was... Not only was it like the walls kind of making creaking noises and things like that, and it wasn't windy outside particularly, but the cupboards in the choir room it sounded as if they were you could hear the wood 
squeezing and the sound of wood under pressure, like pulling and opening yeah, and that like kind of tension? thing. Yeah, like tension. And and it would go it would go in a, in a semicircle around it's the- It's a haunting. Well, it was, it was weird too because- It's definitely a haunting. Okay. <laughs> so then it gets, there's a really pronounced one of these and it goes all the way around the room. And I, as I'm watching it, I swear I saw something in the corner of my eye, I look over in that direction to kind of start where the sound ended. And then right as soon as I see that movement in my eye, I look over, the freaking loudspeaker goes off just to- and I almost I heard that. jumped out of the, did you hear that when that yeah. happened? Because you, you were tuning the other room. But that kind of stuff kept happening. And then I, then I was thinking to myself, why would this be going on? And it you know, probably wasn't. But I was like, if it was, what would make this occur? It's a newer building. Um, and then I realized that I'm staring into a black mirror. Because I have the, oh, I'm, yeah. this is an upright black um, Very reflective waxed, surface piano and when you lift the lid up I'm literally looking at myself in a black mirror a scrying mirror it's like a like a John D scrying mirror like you know you try to connect with spirits I mean that's kind of probably weird. not but as I'm sitting there like just well, meditating plus the fact that you're haunted like all that plays together yes I mean you have been having a lot of paranormal I've been having a lot of weird stuff lately nothing really like uh, gratuitous well in the last the top, episode John I don't know getting fingered in the butt for the last time <laughs> it's pretty gratuitous there was no you're making him relive his insertion. trauma insertion it, well, it was uh, going down the butt crack wasn't no, it no it just like was moving around the band area you, but in the back yes because you know you we, said it went in between your butt crack well you know how there's like a there's a there's a gap there because of the before you get to the, the shape of the buttocks there's that line you're with talking it. about the the valley right mm -hmm. the yeah. valley of darkness that just before you get to the crack it's just this kind of depression right the valley of darkness <laughs> okay i think it's time to go to the next story interestingly i was in the next room and i asked chris this question because i was tuning it's one of the first experiences tuning and as i was tuning kind of in the meditative state you know i didn't get a lot of sleep i guess the night before but uh, Ooh, shocker! In the frequencies, like what do you call that when the waves are intersecting the, the frequencies to when you're tuning uh, beat. resonating the beats? Beats, yeah. yeah. So in those beats, like you hear within those beats all kinds of things. The, the more you're focused on them, kind of like the white noise. Exactly. And I asked Chris. I said, Chris, when you tune, do you always hear like voices in the beats? Yeah, and that's that was the other thing going in when Jeremy when I went into the practice room because Jeremy's training, and he was hitting those notes. You could hear all, almost every time he hit something, you heard something that sounded like voices, like the trailing off of voices. And sure, it could be an, audio, an auditory effect, but I've never heard anything like that tuning before. I've never heard anything where it was like every time you hit a thing, there's this sort of, you know, thing we hear we've talked about like in the fan or light like, noise voices. Yeah. Never had it with piano tuning to that degree before or really at all, except in that practice room. It's probably all coincidence, but it was just thought it was interesting. And it tied into the story about the woman with the piano, which by the way is a creepy story. Yeah. Well, let's get back to the story. You said it was at Northwest? Yeah, the new uh, Puffenberger Hall. Oh, I've been in there, yeah. It's nice. That's where I accepted my award. I was there for that. For soccer. Such a cool kid. I know. I really laid it into those goalkeepers. <laughs> <laughs> when did you win the, the series or get close? It was like 99. Uh, 99. Went to state. You golden god, you. Ugh. <laughs> John, by the way, John made that sound with like this just... eye of wonder and nostalgia. <laughs> I almost made godhood. All right. All right. So let's get back to the lighthouses here. Got a Golden little bit more. Golden God. <laughs> Bow down and worship. I kick balls at you. <laughs> Goalkeeper, you will not stop the ball. When I've kicked it with my leg. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Moving quite along. <laughs> Figures in the fog is this next part. So this continuing the. Yes. Thank you, John, for that atmosphere. Continuing the. Uh... Oh, wait. Sorry. Just to recap the last story. No. 
historical record that we know of. It's like one of these local lords, okay, like gotcha. Lone Hollow, right? Right. There may be, but I just didn't have time to do like a deep library right. research search. Thanks, Flannan Isles. <laughs> yeah, it took up all my time. Okay. So here's a little more uh, description of this area. John, do you want to read? It's called Figures in the Fog. I titled this section here. The keepers I have talked to have also sighted a young girl running up and down the stairs. She has waved to the men on several occasions, and some have heard her laughter. It has been reported that a young girl died on the island, and her parents buried her near the generator house. A very interesting area on the island is the landmass between the lighthouse and the foghorn, the highest point of rock on the island several hundred feet away from the main lighthouse structure itself. The horn is so powerful, it is said that its volume has knocked close-flying seagulls right out of the air. Poor guys. The intensity of fog in this area is the reason for such a powerful horn. Both the old captain and the little girl have been sighted in this area, and all kinds of sounds from laughter to groans seem to be prevalent here. In this area, many hauntings have taken place. So, yeah, you can find, you know, other references to different kinds of hauntings in this specific uh, lighthouse. But it's interesting that just the specifics of some, like, um, lighthouse keepers having reported while playing checkers together, mm -hmm. uh, seeing the figure in old oil slicks, the old captain that used to... It's weird. It does seem like there are places that trap people who spend a lot of time there, which is weird. Like, what is it about certain places? Is it the, sh the shape? It is an unusual shape. You know, the phallic shape of the lighthouse, some sort of energy collector, like the theories of ancient ancient energy in Egypt. Yeah, maybe they're collecting, harnessing energy. What's the big guy? The um, obelisk? Yes, thank you. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean, beyond that, it's also a place you spend a lot of time psychologically thinking like, right. maybe having the feeling, I'm never going to leave this place. Right. You know, if you feel so isolated and you just want to Time probably out. slows down when you're by yourself for that period of time. And this was an interesting thought, is the idea of... And you see spirits like this, right? And we've talked about the idea of um, tape memory or stone memory. Stone tape theory. Stone tape theory. With the idea where something so profound happened, the energy was stored into the rock or into the, the earth or structures around and that replays it in kind of like, like a an tape. echo. Right, like an echo. But I heard an interesting concept, which is the theory that some of these apparitions seem to interact, right? And the idea of like that part of your consciousness that was so profoundly affected while you're living there may have splintered off. Maybe the, the part oh, yeah. of the residual it could be somewhat acting in almost kind of an AI kind of capacity. Interesting. You know, like it was so affected that even though you, your soul has moved on, part of your, I guess your uh, consciousness resonance remains and it's still slightly conscious in the sense that it can interact in the parameters of that world. Right. Right. Anyways, that was just kind of an interesting thought. So the, the reports of this lighthouse keeper and sightings continue and... It's always interesting when you hear from like officials or trained observers. So these these are some reports coming from Coast Guards themselves. And by the way, some of this information comes from uh, Lighthouse Digest, which I will be subscribing to. Yes. And uh, <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes. That's a, that's a hot ticket item. Who needs coffee in the morning? Yeah. Okay, so you may, you may think this is far-fetched, the article continues, but not according to the Coast Guard personnel that occupied the island in the 1970s and 80s. From talking to these different occupants, I have found some interesting stories. One boatswain mate tells of several encounters. The ghost or old captain, as he is referred to, makes himself right at home. He has been sighted many times climbing the narrow, winding iron spiral stairway leading to the top of the tower. 
A very interesting encounter with the ghost occurred in 1985. Now this one's pretty interesting. As the light station was being prepared for automation, the warrant officer in charge of the activities experienced an encounter with the ghost of the old captain. All items in the house were being packed for shipment to the mainland. Wrap it up, we're done here, boys. The work crew had retired for the evening and everyone was in bed asleep when the warrant officer awakened by the shaking of his bed. The apparition in his oilskins was standing at the end of the bed shouting in pathetic tones. Don't take the furniture. Please leave my house alone. The warrant officer, obviously scared half to death, ah! bolted from his bed and ran to the next room. So what's happening right now is the lighthouse keeper, they're basically removing the furniture right. in preparation for automating the lighthouse. Aww. And he's like, I'm still here, guys. Poor guy. Why are you taking this? That's so it seemed like he continued to try to stop the efforts. The next day, the furniture items were loaded in the dory, which was on a skid, which sat on a track leading to the water. Up, the order was given to start the engine, which would slowly lower the dory down to the ocean 200 feet below. The Coast Guardsmen reported that the engine suddenly stopped cold, and the chain holding the dory broke, and the loaded boat went down the track full speed hit the ocean and sank under the impact, with the furniture and all being lost. The Coast Guardsmen claimed the ghost of the old captain had a hand in the unusual event. Never before had an event like this taken place, and according to all odds, it was an impossibility. Nicely said, John. <laughs> so, obviously it's the ghost of the old captain. Could the chain have been weak? No. Oh, okay. Just, was, I just wanted to ask. According to the odds, it was impossible, which said, doesn't sound like odds to me. It sounds, yeah. That sounds Who like wrote impossible. this? I mean, where's this no, actually, in? this was a really good article. She did a really good job. Um, I think it was a she. I have, I have a link in the show notes here. It was from, it was uh, Lighthouse Digest. I was surprised at actually how well written and uh, in depth this article was. I can't even, so it's a, a digest dedicated to lighthouse stories? A lot of people have lighthouses. Have you seen the calendars in the mall? A lot of people are into lighthouses. It's a thing. It's like uh, poodles. It's like kittens in space. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Landhouses, ponies. Um, people are into just... You know, bar, what are those barns, those covered bridges, you know? It is, a, it is a very mysterious place. It's iconic, is a good way to put it. Yeah, iconic, it's iconic, and it's just... Dreamy. Right, and the idea of it, it's this beacon for ships at sea. It's a lifesaver. A Mermaids warning. and sirens all go hand in hand. I'm surprised you didn't come up with any stories like that. What, mermaids? Or just like sirens, like sea sirens, you know, like... Oh, well, I told you, I, I had this whole research I was doing with the Fannin Isles, <laughs> Fannin Island lighthouse that turned out to be is not- Fannin or Flannin? Flannin, sorry. Flannin Isle. Si this would have to do with sirens? No, that was my whole like lighthouse mystery. Was gonna, that was going to be the lighthouse real. mystery section of the show. Sirens are real. I mean, Why do you think myths come from? Why? Where? They come from reality, Chris. I mean, I'm not discounting that there's, it's impossible that mermaids ghosts are real. Ghosts are real, but sirens aren't. What you're sirens talking about in this area would be considered the uh, sea witch. <laughs> Yeah. Which is a thing, and then the, or the or siren, the sea hag, yeah, or the sea hag, and that's I, I mean, we could have gone that direction. Yeah, I, I know, I know, I know, and I wouldn't mind. That's it. its I own. Was, maybe it could be a, a different show. Yeah, I but, mean, I mean, there's got to be tons of lore about that. Oh yeah, for sure. There are for sure. I I don't know. There probably aren't as many like more modern sightings, but a lot of folklore, ancient, you know, especially unless you Gaelic got a Starbucks and, coffee. 
Is that a pirate making that joke? <laughs> I'm going out to meet my lady with a Starbucks coffee. <laughs> Bad in so many ways. <laughs> um, I've got me cappuccino headed out to sea to meet the missus. <laughs> I said no To foam. meet the missus. Where is she? I, she's married in, another in my boat? head. Oh, I see. We're married. We have babies. Is that in that order? <laughs> you know, excellent stories. Pretty much all ghosts, right? For this episode, but if you're interested in some more sirens, more of the no sirens, but more of the strange, Romans? more of the extreme, high strangeness stuff, but still sticking with the fog stuff, then check out the expansion oh, episode. Right, right, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that. It's yeah, gonna be fun because the stuff in this, I mean, and this also this episode was more stories. The next is stories, but it's interlaced with this interesting research that connects these sort of inexplicable phenomena and creature sightings that seem to either manifest within this fog, the fog either facilitates these manifestations or is used as a sort of cloak. And we're going to have things from uh, dogman encounters to um, uh, vortexes in the sky that planes are flying into, electric fog. We're going to talk about mm. um, little people once again. Little people? Yeah, and accounts of vanishing. Little people in the fog. Absolutely. That reminds me of Anna from Sweden. She had a story, and we'll probably touch on that in the expansion too. That was season two, episode nine, Terror of the Gnomes, I think, or something like that. Oh yeah, the gnome episode. Yeah, that was the fog and these little people, these entities that seem to come with the fog, right? Yeah, the Vitra. That's totally not scary. <laughs> totally not scary. We're going to go into the, all those different sorts of things and how they're all kind of connected. Well, it is interesting because, you know, we always talk about the water, right? Like we mentioned this even last episode, but that the threshold space between water and land, and that seems to be that the water itself almost acts as a kind of um, incendiary catalyst. Like a conduit. conduit. Right, a conduit to allow these things to kind of manifest. And they're always, like the dog man we did in the campfire stories episode, right? Where it was, that was creepy. But they're always by the water, and it's almost like the fog is, like you said, John, like a transport. It carries that kind of undulating energetic umbra, Right of manifestation opportunity, energetic umbra. So it's it's carrying that in a moving way. So it almost like you know the mist. Yeah, the movie, yeah. the mist, the movie, the fog. I don't remember the plot of the movie, the fog. But the idea that these things can things appear came through the mist in the fog. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So in the mist and the fog, the same kind of idea. Like yeah, it's, it's like carried. it's like seriously like a like almost like a dimensional shift. Mm -hmm. You know, it brings these other yeah. dimensional that's the entire question are these things using fog somehow as a villain intentionally creating it or is it a side effect of moving through realms who knows who right. knows we'll find out Kermit Jordan Peterson <laughs> and super duper thank you to all the people that have signed up to Patreon lately you guys are awesome we are definitely looking for new patrons yeah, yeah help always. keep the show going we do double the episodes I know we say this every episode but we kind of have to so go ahead to beliefhold.com, sign up and click on the Patreon button and get the double of the content. Really, it's do it for you. Don't even worry about us. You want the extra episodes? You do want it the for both of us. Okay, it's a win-win. Yes. Well, let's read the names. Yeah. We have some new patrons this month. Huge thanks to you for supporting the show and keeping us going. New patrons this month are Patrick Quaybach or Hubach. Whoop, whoop. Juan Ortega. Did you? Chelsea Knopp. Chelsea. Jessica Elder. Jessica. Joey Navarro. Joey. Beliefling. Yes, Ooh. Beliefling. I like that name. I like it. You think it's his birth name? Probably. Or hers? What a coincidence. Yeah. We want to know more about you, Beliefling. Hannah Martin. Ginny Hanan. Or Ginny Hannon. <laughs> I don't know how to do that when it's not sure. Hanan, it sounds like a bread. It's, it's a Chinese food, I think. Hunan. 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 Okay, so I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I'm sorry. It's like a mix between like non bread and Hunan. Hunan. Anyways, thanks, Ginny. 
Angie Whitley. Hey, Angie. Kimberly Wozniewski. Wozniewski, I think. That's a fun one. Kimberly Wozniewski, I think. Jennifer Dabrowski. Ann Cutler. Cutler. Wait, didn't we have a George Cutler? Uh, Or Cutler George. Doesn't that sound familiar? Yeah, it does. Like, sounds like a pirate name. I think we'd... Maybe it's him back. Maybe he came back. What, what? (laughs) Another what, what? Anyways, thank you guys so much. Uh, You really... Yes, applause. Yay. Let's do real applause in the room. How about that? Oh, there we go. Guys, we need you. Hey, we guys. love you. We thank you for joining the whole. Yeah, all you guys out there supporting us, we're, we're growing on the whole in a way that's keeping us motivated to think that one day we could do this full time. Mm-hmm. So we really appreciate it. And we, got, we got some things cooking. We've got another show that we're working on right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm excited for this. Just a little teaser. If you really love the stories we do on the show, this is going to be a show dedicated to storytelling so it's going to be true creepy stories basically we won't announce the name yet but true creepy stories uh delivered in a very believable way but with basically just really getting to the the story there's no banter it's just it's going to be the stories and then maybe a little bit of thoughts peppered in you know like ideas that encompass the stories and kind of like done tastefully so for those that like a straightforward kind of approach to a show kind of the whole point of this was you know you guys out there are special because you connect with us on a personal level. Our personality gels with your personality and sense of humor and all that. We wanted to do a show that focuses on our interests of like these kind of true creepy tales. And then we can help point back to Beliefful, which is where our heart is. It'll be interesting to, to just do this from scratch right. and see what happens. Right. This show is going to be a uh, like a, um, a lighthouse, a beacon to other people who have not heard Beliefful but are just interested in straight creepy stories to eventually lead them back into the right. hole. Right. And also... It's just, it's an exciting creative project because it's a different sort of show. We're going to get to have more writing, more focused on just strictly storytelling, which I'm really excited about. Sound design is going to be the backbone of the show. So Immersive storytelling. Yeah, in a way it's going to, I think, scratch a lot of itches that maybe we're not scratching in every episode of Beliefful. It's another way to get that creative energy going. And we'll tell you guys about it as soon as we have everything ready to go when it's going to launch. And at the same time, I want you guys to know that it's not going to slow down our output for the Beliefful whatsoever. So we're still working on additional things in the background of Beliefful and our episodes will come out as usual. And the documentary. Hopefully that'll. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of things. That's a lot. That's a ways away, but we are in the ideas phase. So you, right. if you have ideas about, yeah, some people topic, wrote in. Definitely share them with us. We haven't made any decisions about what the first one would be about, but we have a list. It's yeah. a long, long term plan, but we definitely would love to do a film at some point. We always used to talk about it. It's funny because we we all have this set of skills like creatively, and we never really thought that we would ever do anything together. So to actually be able to get to do this show and then have other ideas spawn from it is pretty fun. Yeah, the lesson there is it's never too late. If you're out there and you're thinking like, man, I always want to do this one thing and I always wanted to start writing, but I'm, you know, I feel like it's too late. I should have done this in college. I should have gotten a degree. Um, follow your creativity. So we got a lot of a lot of hole to explore, guys. And we're glad you're here with us. And uh, yeah, tune in the expansion if you got it. We hope you enjoyed the Lighthouse Stories. I hope you, uh, next time you find yourself near a shoreline, make sure to tip your lighthouse keeper. Tip your lighthouse keeper because they're risking their immortal soul. Yeah, sounds like it. Keep those stray women walkers from coming in your lighthouse. <laughs> stray what? women walkers. I'll take a stray woman walker. That sounds like a old Christian metaphor for like to not be coming into your lighthouse. <laughs> Get those stray women walkers from your lighthouse keep, door. You know what I mean? Keep them off your lighthouse. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to go. We'll see you on the other side for the expansion of 40 and Fog and Mysterious Creatures Within the Mist. And the rest of you awesome listeners, we'll see you next time on The Beliefful.
Thank you.